0: Welcome to the Med Street Journal. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Med Street Journal podcast. I'm your host, Mr. Rodney Hoon. Today I'm joined by another amazing guest, Dr. Mike Fidua. He is a researcher in exercise science at the University of Alabama and one of the co-founders of Made Health and Fitness, LLC, where he developed a simple and accurate tool that can measure muscle and fat from a single picture using your smartphone or tablet. So athletes and weekend warriors can measure their progress with research-grade accuracy for less than a cup of coffee. So with that being said, I'm excited to have him on as a guest and pick his brain and see what he's doing in this industry. So with that being said, Dr. Mike, welcome. Thank you very much.
1: Thanks for having me on today. I appreciate it.
0: Yeah, no problem. So why don't we just jump into Why don't you give people a brief background of who you are and how you got into this whole exercise space?
1: What yeah, absolutely. I'm in my sixth year at the University of Alabama. Uh, I got my PhD in exercise physiology from Georgia a couple of years back, but it's really started in the fitness industry as just recreationally active. Like I, I just worked out and it was always a passion of mine. Played sports in high school, but have always dealt with weight issues. So I, I think at my heaviest, I was pretty close to 300 pounds and then lost a good portion of that with exercise and started eating right. And just always been fascinated with body composition and what people are made of and how it's related to health and how it's related to athletic performance. And so most of our research at Alabama has been trying to take what we do in the lab and move it out into the field. And so taking what we do and moving it out into put it into the coach's hands or take the equipment that we have that has this really good accuracy in our research lab and move it out into kind of community outreach programs to make it more accessible to make it portable and less expensive. And so it's really what we've been working on for the past few years and then discovered through the course of our research that we could estimate with pretty good accuracy what people are made of from a smartphone image. And then one thing led to another and patent pending. And we launched the app in October. And so here we are.
0: Okay, so this has been cooking for at least a couple years. You guys got it launched recently, so congrats on that. But can you you, kind of take us through that process of going from an idea and research to actually a tangible software, tangible product, a tangible app that people can download?
1: Yeah, absolutely. It was honestly, it was the craziest ride. We spend every day in the lab. And so we were pretty familiar with the research, the changes that happen within the body due to exercise. So with aerobic training, like running or walking or the the changes that happen in the body with resistance training, with weightlifting, differences between athletes and the rest of the population differences between adults, races, and ethnic differences, gender differences, changes that happen due to the normal aging process. And so we knew that all of these things are affecting what people are made of, and they're all contributing to different amounts of error when we're trying to estimate body composition. And I started reaching out to different companies for research partnerships, because that's part of our day jobs is, is grant funding and publishing and staying active in research. And really wanted to partner with these new 3D body scanners that had hit the market a couple of years ago, and none of the companies that we reached out to were interested in research partnerships. And so we thought if they can do it from a 3D scan, what we know in the lab, we can probably get pretty close from a two-dimensional picture. And so we started playing around with a lot of those different variables, the age, race, sex, activity level, physical fitness variables. And then we started measuring different markers on the body in in a person's picture and figured out that we can get comparable accuracy from a 2D picture. And from then it was off to the races. I remember texting our co-founder, uh, Mike Esko, who's not here tonight. And I said, look, man, <laughs> I don't know how I did it, but I think we might be onto something here. So the correlation that we got, we tried to measure something called body volume, which is the size that a person takes up or how big a person is. And that we we can correlate with the app. It's it's about 99.8% accurate. And so I sent him a screenshot of the results. And I said, I think we probably need to talk to the patent office about this. I think <laughs> this might be something big. And so we, we pitched it and said, I think this could be a game changer. This could really be something cool that we can get out into the public and convince the university that it was something worth pushing forward and it's been wild because we've gotten not only to build on the research in the lab but also take take our research and then push it out into the mainstream and i think that's a piece that's missing a lot with research is that you know, sometimes we do research and we write these papers and nobody actually reads them yes. and <laughs> so it's it's cool to have something that we worked on in the lab for research that can kill, still keep our research going but then push it out like my mother-in-law has the app on her phone. And oh, so nice. she's probably never read any of my papers, but like she has an <laughs> app that we helped this build and help design. And so that's a cool thing. I think there's the immediate feedback that's really cool with, with having, you know, access to the
0: mainstream like that. Damn, that's awesome. And you mentioned that your mother-in-law has the app. So shout out to her for the support. So <laughs> thank you really, very much. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Early adopter. That kind of goes into my next question though, is who would this app be for? Who can find the most benefit and the most value from having technology like this in their hands
1: yeah actually we've been wrestling with that i think when you first take a product to market you think who who could really benefit from having this you know measure of body composition and so we, we really launched and said anybody would want this right if you're measuring your weight and tracking weight loss you would probably be better served to measure body composition right so you're not just measuring how many pounds you lose but actually like how much fat you're losing and that's true. I think that it does have a place there for people who are on their fitness journey and they're losing weight to actually see changes in body composition. That's pretty cool. One thing that we not overlooked necessarily, but I think the population that could maybe see the biggest benefit from this athletes who who are already measuring pretty frequently. They're, they're checking in and they're concerned with not just their weight, what their weight is made of, because you don't want to be careful. Carrying around extra pounds of non-functional mass, right? With this extra body fat that might be slowing you down. You want all of your weight to be lean, to be muscle, so you can generate as much force and as much power as possible. I think that's actually a, a really natural fit, right? They're, they're already familiar with the bodies. They already know what their muscles can do. They're already interested and, and familiar with the, the numbers that we're spitting out And they're already measuring regularly as it is. I think that we're recognizing that while it does have a place in the general population, and most of my research up until now has been with obesity research, it's got a place there. But I think the population that we've seen has the most interest and the most excitement about it are are the athletes, because they're already measuring all the time anyways, and they're craving that data and that instant feedback. And I think that's the population that's been the most excited about it, and that's some some people that we didn't think of when we first launched. We thought it would be the mainstream that would adopt it. There's 29 million Fitbit users or something like that. And we thought for sure, like, everybody who has a Fitbit would would want to download the app. But... If I can just
0: get 1% of 1%. But this is
1: what we thought, right? So man, there's so many Fitbits and MyFitnessPal is another one. There's 20 million, it's like 20 million users on MyFitnessPal. So we thought, man, just a fraction of that would be crazy. The early adopters, like you mentioned, have really been the athletes that are regularly, routinely tracking as part of their, their training
0: programs. And yeah, that's awesome. Because just listening to you speak, I feel like you mentioned the fitness journey and how athletes are like the number one customer avatar, ideal person for this fit. But the fact that it's an app and that you can gather so much data from a single image makes me feel like it's super simple. It's not one of those complex apps that you need to measure your body. It's so simple that you don't have to be a professional athlete to be able to monitor your body composition. This is something that you can do it yourself. You don't have to go to the doctor and get all this professional work done. You've really simplified that process for them.
1: Yeah, it's really, it is. It's a single picture from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet. So it's, it's a total body selfie, basically. And The landmarks that we measure, some of them are on the trunk, so around the midsection. So we have a few, the the narrowest point and the widest point to the midsection, and we have a few more that we kind of pinpoint on the the actual trunk, the midsection. And from there, we really can get pretty accurate numbers. And I think that does open up kind of a world of possibilities. You don't need to have the expensive research-grade equipment that we have in the lab to routinely check in. And we've even played around with it. Really acute changes in body weight that we would see from day to day just tracking ourselves. So those changes are captured within the app and and they're about 95% fat-free mass. And so that's it's all water, it's all fluid, it's all water weight that's shifting around from day to day. We've been really impressed with the accuracy, especially in the the leaner population to track changes.
0: Okay, I like that. And so what would you say would be the best way to maximize the use of this app? I feel like if you're in your fitness journey, like this app isn't the... Like the end all be all, but it should be more of a supplement to what you're doing along your journey. So, how can this app, this software, this technology complement an athlete or someone along their fitness journey?
1: Yeah, actually, that, that's a really good point. I'm glad you brought that up. It's it's not the end all be all, and I think that's a piece that gets lost a lot of times. Is that most of the weekend warriors that are exercising, you know, are, are trying to lose weight and and you know, build muscle. And so they think like, this has to be the definitive metric that gauges my success. But focusing on that, you lose a little bit of the big picture. And I think there's other things that we can track along with it. So like you mentioned, to supplement, this is one marker that we can use to track progress. When we're working with clients, other markers that we track might be sleep habits, they might be water intake. If you're working with a dietitian, they may be tracking calories and, and macronutrients, protein, carbs, and fat. If you're tracking with a Fitbit, you're tracking steps, you're tracking sedentary time, you're tracking exercise. And so there's a lot of other things that we can look at to gauge success, to, to gauge progress, to, to make sure that you're staying on track. And In a sense, like if you, if you check in with the app and you maybe see trends that don't go the direction you want, them, So your body fat might go up a little bit or your muscle mass, you know, fat-free mass drops a little bit. There's other things that we can look at that kind of help provide encouragement. So you go, oh man, we didn't lose any body fat this week. That's okay because we did hit our sleep goal every day, or we did drink as much. We hit our water goal, or we exercised every day, or we hit 10,000 steps per day. So there's other markers that we can get to provide a more holistic view of kind of overall health. So yeah, I think the app is valuable. I think it provides good information. I think it provides accurate information, but by no means is it the only marker of success or the only marker of progress. It's just one, it's just a new, another tool in the toolbox in a sense. I think with wearables and different apps that are out, I think we have almost in some sense, like an unending ability to measure and track some variable. This is just another marker that we can keep track of.
0: Dang. Okay. That's awesome. Man, I feel like technology is so crazy. Like you can apply it to any industry, really.
1: Man. Yeah, I'm trying to. T- we we were looking at an app just the other day to try to figure out like what else is up and coming right now. And they're looking at changes in blood flow based on skin pigmentation. It was just like, yeah, we what is this we thought that our app was cool we're like (laughs) that is wild yeah there's the ability to measure different health outcomes i think is just incredible the computers that are in our phones are more powerful than the computers you know that that we're using to record the podcast they're more powerful than the computer i have on my desktop at work and my phone is is a much more powerful machine and i think it has incredible capabilities you just got to have some nerds that are out there (laughs) that think up an idea it's really incredible
0: Yeah, it's it's crazy that you mentioned that because being from the outside and like looking at your guys' technology, I'm like, wow, like that's pretty cool. But then you have that same mindset looking at other people's technology. And and I feel like it's that iron sharpens iron sort of industry where it's like, all right, if you want to be one of those like Fitbit level or like one of those sort of players in the game, like you have to have that sort of quality. And I feel like what you guys are doing when you're finding other people that are putting out quality, oh, I like that. Like, how can I model after that?
1: Yeah. We've talked to some companies, like you're in the industry and you start talking to other companies and founders and different business groups and and you hear what they did and you hear their story. And it's really humbling to think, wow, there's all this technology out here. Like how did we even end up in this space you know what i mean what a wild journey coming from you know a completely different background none of the founders of, of our business have any kind of industry business background like we've never had a startup before we don't have any there's no mbas on our resumes it's work fish out of water in a sense it's, it's pretty cool to be in this world
0: yeah you guys are just coming in with like you mentioned like no business background so i feel like your guys's unique positioning is that you guys are just coming with straight value like we've done all this research. <laughs> it's our obligation because we know, you guys know, you've done the research, put the time in and you know that what you have to offer is valuable to a mass market. And so I find yeah. value in that for sure.
1: We came from a different angle. I think a lot of times the, the product is created and then it's marketed. The research has to catch up afterward. Like we, we talk about products hit the market. And wait a second, where's the research behind that? Has anybody actually shown that this works or can do what it claims that it does? We had our paper come out before the app was launched, our first validation study. And we have two more that are going to come out probably in the next couple of weeks. So in a sense, like the research actually hit before the app was launched. And so the market is almost catching up to where our research was because we've been at this since 2016. We started data collection And we submitted our patent in 2018 for internal review. And so it's been a long, it's been a long road. It's crazy to think our research is leading. And then the mainstream is catching up to what we've been working on for the past couple of years. It's almost like we we did it almost in reverse, but I think in a sense, like that allows us to lead with the data in a sense. Like we just say, Hey, we're here for the party. Look at our results. Let's figure out how we can make a business around this. You know what I mean? And I think rather than saying, let's start a business and we'll think of some tech to go along with it.
0: It's, It's a little bit backwards. Yeah. You've been doing data collection since 2016. So how much like data do you guys actually need or how much did you guys have before you decided, okay, we got something special here. Let's start making some business decisions.
1: Yeah, actually. So we had within the initial data set, we had a few hundred people. And we figured out that it worked, and and so we, we tried it and ran it and it tweaked the algorithms, and we it was a general population, so just normal people. There was a few more active, there was a few less active, all different body types. We had the data; we could show that it worked, and we we're like, okay, let's see if we can run this see if we can run this algorithm in in a different sample of of participants that we had. And so we had data from a weight loss trial. We had data, youth athletes, we had some power lifters in there. I think all in all, we had over a thousand data points, uh, over a thousand participants, at least with the preliminary data. We've been collecting data since then and refining our approach a little bit and tweaking the algorithm a little more. Every data point adds so much value. So we reached out to folks during beta testing, and got some initial feedback and recognized that some of the people we had for beta testing didn't look like people that were in our initial data set. And so it's really difficult to take data that we had already collected and try to estimate the body composition, muscle mass and, and you know, fat-free mass and fat mass from somebody that we've never seen that's never been in the lab, just from a picture. I mean, that when you say it out loud, it sounds crazy. But if you have never seen a body type like that, it's difficult to estimate what they're made of. And so if we didn't haven't seen the body type, then we have to go find somebody that has that body type. So we have to keep collecting data in a population or a little subgroup of the population that was underrepresented in the initial sample. And so it's this game. It's actually fascinating. Somebody contacts us and said, I don't know if my numbers look right. What's going on here? And we go into it and we go, oh, okay, cool. Let's figure out like maybe why, what we can do to the algorithm, like how, what are other markers we can look at? What are other variables we can factor in? Maybe... There could be a couple of things that went wrong, right? So maybe this person doesn't quite know what an appropriate body composition is. So it may be an educational opportunity for us or for them. Maybe it's on us. Like maybe we're over overestimating or underestimating just this one little subgroup of the population for some reason. Let's go back and see if we can correct the algorithm to, to fit. See if we can make that equation fit. And I think a lot of people in the academic world They don't pursue patents because they're worried that it will slow down their research. If you have to spend time focusing on a business and takes away from the time you can be in the lab, but we've actually found the opposite. Like we've gotten immediate feedback from users and then gotten to turn around and go right into the lab and collect more data and tweak our numbers a little bit and change the equations and change the image processing and put in different checks and balances. And so I think that if anything, our research and the the attention that we've paid to the data has you know increased you know exponentially and so i think our research has actually exploded because of it and i think that's runs contrary to what we were told when we started on the journey everybody kept telling us it was going to slow the research down but i think it's opened up just tremendous opportunities for us
0: nice so pretty much the more data you guys have like the better you guys are able to optimize and improve the experience it's, it creates like a sort of feedback loop <laughs> yeah it does.
1: it does and it's crazy because then people start asking like we've had general population the folks will reach out and they'll go hey did you think about did you think about using the app in this group like what about high school athletes and we go we don't have any high school athletes that were in the data set because they were all adults and they go mm. you should think about high school athletes my high school team would love this get the data and then come and talk to us or we've done some research in the past with down syndrome or different populations disabilities and so you you start thinking older adults traditionally underrepresented you have lower ses there's just pockets of the population that have been underrepresented in research that you could potentially make a difference you go man if you thought about researching this group like they'd be super open to partnering like we have colleagues at this university and I think we go oh man that would be crazy we should go research like that would be great to team up and do that and so i think it's just it's incredible how many opportunities it's opened
0: Man, that's awesome. Wish there was more hours in the day. Just keep going. It's collecting data, more opportunities. Yeah,
1: yeah. So it's been a wild journey. It's been fun.
0: That's awesome. So one question I have before we get to the latter exercise is what sort of advice would you have for, say, fitness professionals who are looking to incorporate some sort of technology into their fitness journey?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And actually, this is something that's really important that I think a lot of people don't realize is that there's error with everything. Like every piece of data that's ever been collected, there's always error. And that goes for our app included. And, but it also goes for Fitbit and it goes for MyFitnessPal. It goes for the big ones. It goes all the apps that are out there that measure health outcomes remotely. There's always built in error, right? So we were looking at some research the other day from MyFitnessPal, which is the Food Diet Tracker. And we were seeing numbers in, in this one study said, on average, we're underestimating when we use that app by about 500 calories per day, which is not a ton of calories, but 500 calories for somebody who's you know hoping to lose weight, that could be, that's almost an entire meal in some cases. And you're gonna miss from foods not being included in the database to estimated calories being off. There's limitations, right? It's a cool tool. It definitely has value. Like I've used it in the past. There's error with it. Fitbit is the same deal, right? There's error. Not everything that shows up with a Fitbit or an Apple Watch is an actual step. It's just movement, and so there's error with that. And there's error with the app too. And there's error. There's error with Dexa. There's error with bioimpedance. There's error with with our app. There's error with underwater weighing. And so I think for fitness professionals that are relying on these tools, they're just tools. They they can be used to provide additional insight, but they're not a definitive end-all, be-all, and I think it's important for trainers to recognize that. There's uh, relying completely on the data. I think can almost, in in, in some sense, hinder your ability to provide good training and, and guidance to the clients that you're working with. But when they're used properly, they can be a really valuable asset. And I think to trust the data, but recognize that there's limitations with everything. No data that's ever been collected was collected without error.
0: There's always just a little bit. <laughs> awesome I think that's an excellent piece of advice to end the main part of the interview on but we've been talking a lot about your technology fitness tracking and whatnot but I like to end each episode on a little lighter exercise with something I like to call the rapid fire round so I'll just ask you a list of questions and you can me whatever you come up with
1: you got it let's rock and roll
0: all right question number one what is your favorite book of all time
1: Ooh, actually, it's a book. It's called *The War of Art*, and it's a book that, that I listened to and read when I was working on my PhD. And it, one of the biggest messages that I ever learned from that book was: if if you're really afraid of something and you're avoiding it, it's probably the thing you should be doing. That so was. if you're procrastinating <laughs> and you, you're like, ah, "I'll get to it tomorrow," "I'll get to it tomorrow," "I'll get to it tomorrow," it's pro- that thing that you're avoiding is probably the thing you should be working on. If it's homework, if it's relationships, if it's putting off a phone call, that's it's probably the thing you should be doing. So don't run
0: away from it. And it's crazy. Just you saying that, I'm already thinking of a couple of things in my mind. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right? I know. It's crazy. Yeah. So the, yeah, The War of Art. You should check it out. It's probably one of the better, like least pop, like less popular books I've read. It's really good.
0: Awesome. Number two, who's the most influential person in your life or career?
1: Dr. Lee Ancona, For when I was working on my undergrad, pulled me aside and said, you should go for a PhD and you should probably do it now. And, and I had never even dreamed of it. And I thought about it and, and decided at 19, let's go for it. No kids, no family, no obligations. I could move all over the country if I needed to go for it. And so if you think about something like that, it's so small, like at 19, it's just somebody saying, Hey, you should take the risk. I think you should go for it. It's amazing that completely changed my life. So anyways, shout out University of North Texas, Dr. Lee Ancona He's probably long retired now,
0: but yeah, absolutely. And that's awesome. From when you're 19 in that moment.
1: Yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah. He yeah. actually also, one of the best pieces of advice, you should write Thanksgiving cards, not Christmas cards, because you'd be the first one that everybody gets during the holiday season. And you always remember the first card.
0: <sighs> okay, I like this guy Thanksgiving
1: is about <laughs> giving thanks anyways. So you should yeah. just tell somebody <laughs> be like, hey, man, I'm thankful for you. So you know what? I'm, I'm going to send you a Thanksgiving card next year.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely start doing that. <laughs> Number three, what is one goal you want to accomplish this year?
1: Ooh, actually, what I really want to accomplish this year, I think, related to the app, I think, because 2020 and 2021 are going to be about the app, I really want to get the user interface perfect. So what we've learned from listening to the users is where the process of taking an image, like we have been working on the app for two years. So I kind of know where everything is, but if somebody opens it up for the first time, they're seeing it and learning it like right in front of them. And so like when you say, I didn't understand the directions, that to us means how can we rewrite the directions so that it would have made more sense? You do Should there be a pop-up window here? Should there be like a shadow or like a speech bubble, like a call out? Like how do we make this more intuitive and natural to you? And I think that has been the biggest learning curve for us. Because like when we're in the lab, we can tell someone, Okay, arms out. Nope, wrong position, like a little bit higher up. Okay, feet together. No, really put your heels together. So we can coach people through how to stand in, in the appropriate position. Feet together, arms out. Seems pretty easy, but that has been the biggest trip up is having users actually register that. And so I think the biggest goal for 2021 is to make that like image analysis and image capture within the app seamless so that you can get it right. Every single time to somebody who's never seen the app before and they just heard about it, they can download it and go with, with no speed bumps.
0: Awesome. Simplify the user experience. Yeah, man. It's all about simplifying. We
1: wanted to take it from the lab and put it into everyone's hands. And if you do that, it's gotta be easy. And so we want to make it like the easiest, simplest thing that you've ever done. So yeah, we got to rethink like how the user experience
0: looks. Awesome. I'm excited to see what that looks like for sure. Last but not least what is one piece of advice you would give to your 20 year old self? Go for it. Just go for it.
1: (laughs) And I think I, I have always, I've always questioned, is it the right time? Is it the right timing? Is it the right situation? Is it worth the risk? I'm always a very careful kind of reserved, not a huge risk taker. And I think for a 20 year old self, just go for it, take a risk, go for it. And that's, in a sense, that's where the company came from. It was a big risk. We had people telling us it, at UA, "It's going to take away from research. It's going to slow you down. Don't do it before tenure. This is it's not. It's it's just going to be a huge time suck." And and we went for it, and it's been a crazy ride. So the twenty, my twenty-year-old self, and anybody else, like just for the best thing that you can do is bet on yourself. If you're going to gamble, you might as well gamble on yourself. And so I would say, yeah,
0: take just go for it. Take the risk. Man, that's an awesome piece of advice. (laughs) Thanks, man. (laughs) That's an excellent way to end this episode for sure. Bet on yourself. I know which quote we're using for this episode, but no. Anyways, I just want to say, Dr. Mike, just thanks for jumping on, sharing what you guys are doing and how you guys are actually trying to make an impact in the health and wellness space and what you guys are doing with this whole fitness tracking technology. So I'm definitely excited to see where you take it. But before we go, where could people learn more about the app or your technology and connect with you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So we're available in both app stores. So you can check them out and download the MADE, M-A-D-E, MADE Health and Fitness app. We're also on social media. So you can look us up, Twitter, uh, Instagram, Facebook, my made, at MyMADE app. We're also, you can check us out. We have a website too. So www.mymadeapp.com. Yeah, and if you hit within the app, you can hit contact us and reach out to us that way. You can reach out. It's actually us. that We actually are the ones who are answering the emails. There's only five of us or four of us. If you reach out to us, it's actually us who are responding and we love the feedback. So
0: please do. Awesome. I'll be sure to include all of those resources in the blog posts and in the links or in the resources section. But anyways, that ended today's episode. Thank you guys. Catch you on the next one.